following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? This is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And just like any good team, whenever it comes down to playoff time, you have to be willing to roll with the punches. You got to be able to call to the bench, call to the bullpen, and come in hot. And that is exactly what Mick Schatz is doing today. I am not Bill Jones sitting in for the legend himself. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Glad to be alongside Everson Walls. We've got Mickey Spagnola on the phone. If you're watching us live, you won't see Mickey, but we guarantee Mickey is here and he is present as we bring you a Tuesday edition of Mick Shots. How's everybody doing, Everson? You doing all right? Man, I'm doing just fine, Kyle. I got to say, you built yourself up pretty well there. <laughs> you know, you kind of raised the bar. Oh, well, Let's thank see you. How, you. how well you do. We'll man. see how I can fit in. There of course, I'm, I'm across DallasCowboys.com, but glad to make my Mick Shots appearance. You're wearing your victory white as the Cowboys you are like having that, their, their white yes, out. Uh, for this day outside too, it went well with the uh, with the weather. Oh, good, good, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mickey, how you doing? Can you hear us all right? I've got you loud and clear and ready to go. Now you you've had an interesting day so far getting set for this show. We were just talking about it a little <laughs> bit off the air, but your your journey to be on mix shots today was not your favorite thing, right? Yeah, it probably started at around quarter to 11 and ended at about 1 (laughs) o'clock trying to figure out why the video from the the, uh, app we use to get video on the show from afar wasn't working. And we moved all the way to broken up video, which was better than the the color bars that we were dealing with, Mm -hmm. but didn't quite get there, so... Yeah, no one gets to see my beautiful face today. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And that's a loss for everybody involved. <laughs> they at least get to hear Would you, you say which that. Is I mean, can we honestly say that? <laughs> <laughs> to a loss, you know, we uh, miss you, but to say a loss, <laughs> that's uh, that's different. That's a little bit too far, yeah, maybe. It's a but too far. Chris Beam in the back, he was he was trying to get it all set up, and I walked in, and he goes, "Look at Mickey," and he just pointed up to the screen, and it it just looks like a bunch of colors <laughs> put together. It actually looked like a painting, and, and Chris came up with a no, phenomenal. No, 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 no. Oh, am I not going to no, say no, it? No, we got to see it first. Oh, we got to no, see it first. You know it first. You know what it looked like? It looked like that commercial when the lady's face broke up. I got and it, I'm right not here. a bad aunt. You uh, know? <laughs> <laughs> the, is that an AT&T commercial, I think? All right, here it's we like, go. Here we go. I got it right hope it was here. AT&T, right? I hope so. Okay, yeah, there it is on, on Everson's camera here. That guy. What do we call that now, Kyle? You can go that ahead is and the Mikasso. Mikasso. That is the Mikasso. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you have a crappy <laughs> droid phone as opposed to the beautiful iPhone that we're dealing with right here. Oh, man. This is what droid you get gets paid you. paid for that commercial? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, I tell you what, I'd, I'd rather get paid by one that works. 
Okay. Mm. I'd rather get paid by one that works. Thank you, sir, very much. Thank you, uh, Chris, for that. This is this is hilarious. You better you better check the sponsor list for the Cowboys before you start throwing that. Yeah, that's out. true. Uh-oh. That's true. We yeah. need to. <laughs> we got to be careful Sorry. about it. Yeah, that's okay. Sorry. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. But the Mikaso is what we were we were greeted with today. But. Mickey, any anything stand out to you? Jerry Jones was on the fan earlier today, kind of talking about going into this wild card matchup. It's the Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers, a classic matchup that I know you guys talked about at depth yesterday. But anything stick out to you in what Jerry said, Mick? Well, he said, uh, you know, I thought he started off uh, basically pointing out that, uh, you know, he he appreciated what happened. Uh, what the Cowboys did, like the game on Saturday night had nothing to do uh, with what Philadelphia did or didn't. It had everything to do, he said, about us, how we executed, how our offensive line played, uh, how different individuals executed, the defense performing, uh, and, and it was just about us. And, and he appreciated uh, how that turned out. Uh, and then, obviously, moving on to San Francisco, uh, you know, and I think one of the questions was, you know, would you have preferred to play somebody else? And he said, hey, these are the playoffs. Um, everything's razor thin out there. Uh, so uh, you got to go play. You can't worry about who you're playing. You got to go play. And, and, you know, he's exactly right. There's, there's no cream puffs out there. You know, they didn't, they didn't give the Cowboys the opportunity to play Houston. Uh, so, you know, just get ready, buckle down, and, and see what your best can do against their best. Hey, hey, Kyle's over here laughing at your, your Humphrey Bogart <laughs> era of, 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 of language here. Cream puffs. Cream puffs. Yeah, I can see the headlines now. Mickey Spagnola says the Houston Texans are a cream puff. Well, you know what? They got one coming because a couple years ago when they were in the playoffs and the Cowboys weren't, on their website they posted a picture of an empty AT&T stadium. Wow, that's some shade. That is huh? some shade. That's, I, I said, like you that. know what? If if you're in the playoffs every year, then go at it, right? But let's not get in one time and then start <laughs> throwing stuff around. That's what you got to do, though. You got to establish your your dominance when every time you can. And I guess that was the one time that the Texans were able to do that. I don't know. I don't know why this turned into bashing the Texans in the. <laughs> we're going to get away from that because I want to get on how. Uh, the, the Cowboys are, are in unison in regards to their message. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes Jerry can go off spags a little bit to where, you know, hey, hey, Jerry, maybe you shouldn't have said that, you know, bulletin board material or even sometimes it's just a little bit over the top. But right now what he said I think it was very accurate because the Cowboys got – and I don't want to call this just a good practice mm-hmm. because, like you said, there, there are no cream puffs, uh, Spags. But uh, you, do, you did have a team that just had no idea what was going on, and they were totally outmatched. Now, as you look at some of the games that have gone on this entire year, you cannot predict anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking any team or win for granted. So when it's all said and done, I got the Jets – they came out and, and they beat a, uh, a couple of good teams. I don't feel like going over all the upsets that happened throughout this entire season. I mean, unpredictable, dumbfounded upsets, such as Cowboys, Denver. We always remember those. But then you had Tampa lose to the Saints twice. You know, you have some things that, that went on that lets you know 
You can't take any win for granted. And the way we played the other day, that's how we should have played. That's how we should have beat them. So I don't look at this as anything uh, as a lateral move. I looked at it as an improvement that we needed to make because offensively we haven't been consistent. We still haven't shown to be consistent. But I'd rather go out the way we went, the way we did in that game than looking at how we went out against the game before that. Yeah, and that's a great point because Mickey very easily could have turned into the Cowboys matching the Eagles' energy of saying, you know what, you're not playing Jalen Hurts, you're not playing all these starters that were on the COVID list, There's they're taking a week off. Nick Sirianni even said it. They have earned a chance to take the week that's off. True. And that's not the way the Cowboys looked at it. The Cowboys looked at it as an opportunity to gather their momentum, right. to kind of get their feet underneath them after a loss against Arizona. And Mickey, they went out and executed, checking the boxes of health and execution along the way to improving their seating they as well. They broke a few records, set a couple of personal records. I mean, come on. You can't, sure. you can't beat that. I mean, that was the game to do it. We beat them the way they should have been beaten. And to me, you can't you can't be down on that. And, and let me go further. Uh, I saw Church coming in here, Spags, and uh, we were talking about how everyone is doubting the Cowboys. Uh, and I look at it like this. You've got... Um, a lot of former players that are pundits now. Mm-hmm. And those former players, for some reason, all of them think we should have drafted them, Spags. All of them <laughs> say, I should have played with the Cowboys. Oh, I didn't get drafted by the Cowboys, so I'm going to go work. So they take that energy as players onto the booth, right? Mm. So now all you get is, oh, the Cowboys this, Cowboys better look out. Nobody says Tampa better look out. Yeah. You know, they play like crap many times this year. Nobody said, hey, Green Bay maybe should look out. You know, nobody talks about the Rams need to look out. Mm-hmm. Come on, the way Matthew Stafford has been so inconsistent, everyone's giving, getting the benefit of the doubt but the Cowboys. And I think they always look forward to the moment when we crap the bed. Well, and, and, and here's the other thing. And, you know, I was talking with the guys uh, – during my segment on the fan this morning. And, you know, we were talking about their physical defensive front, uh, talked a lot about Debo Samuel and what he brings to the table. And I said, yeah. And guess what San Francisco's talking about? They're talking about, oh, can we block uh, Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence? And what do we do with Micah Parsons? And where is he going to be every down? Yeah. So they got things to worry about, too. Uh, so I, and I understand how it works because we see other teams and it's like, okay, there's their strong points. Well, they see the Cowboys' strong points too. And the fact that I bet they're not just dismissing, oh, it was Washington. Oh, it was Philadelphia. They put 50 points on them. No, they're looking at in two of the last three games, this team scored 50 points. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're worried about. Uh, along with the other things that this team can do, like the Cowboys' three receivers. You know, I understand that how good their defensive front is, and that makes up for maybe what they have in the secondary. But Cooper Cup was running through them uh, left and Man. right. Yep. Right? So now are they sitting there going, oh, are we worried about those three receivers the Cowboys have and that tight end uh, <laughs> who nearly, and I, I, I didn't double-check this, uh, what Schultz's final numbers were. I've got them right here. Um, he ended up uh, the second leading receiver, 78 yards. I mean, 78 catches for 808 yards and eight touchdowns. Well, we worry about Kittle, right? Yeah. Well, he's got 71 catches for 910 yards and six touchdowns. So are they sitting there worried about Dalton Schultz? 
I think they should be, right? And so it, it works both be. ways. And I know this always happens in the uh, in the playoffs, you know. And a lot of times, everybody looks at the other team, and, and, and it's almost like they romanticize about those players, and and they don't realize on the other side they're thinking about what the Cowboys have and how do we stop them. When you're talking about Schultz, I mean, you're not talking about a necessarily dynamic type of player, but the consistency mm-hmm. uh, 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 that he's pos- he's uh, possessed as well as his ability to get Dak out of trouble. Because when you're playing against that two-man, which is w- – they're going to start off uh, uh, on us with a two-man or some type of man-to-man, then it's always the tight end that has the best chances to get open down the middle. That's why tight ends were created, because wide receivers can't get open. And whenever that happens, that's what Schultz does. He is tried and true with that, and he has come through for us in moving the chains as well as working well in the red zone. So, yeah, when, it, when he's on and when Dak is on with him, when they're connecting, I think they're a, a, a heck of a duo to deal with. And just based off of the numbers that Mickey just gave, comparing him to George Kittle, who mm-hmm. is widely renowned as one of the top tight ends in all of football, mm-hmm. you can see that Schultz has more receptions but less yardage because he's not that big play threat. And he's not going to have the, the yak. That's, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, that's not his game. But and that's you talk okay, about, right? You talk about the number <laughs> of receptions he has, the, the amount of targets he has in the red zone, eight touchdowns to go along with what he's done this year because not only is he getting open inside 10 yards toward the first down marker as a safety blanket to Dak Prescott, he's finding himself open in the red zone and he's only the second tight end in Cowboys history along with Jason Witten to hit that 800-yard mark. Wow. So, Mickey, I think you're you're lot. bringing up a fantastic point of now it's a pick-your-poison sort of mentality for San Francisco where the Cowboys, of course, have that same mindset looking at their opponents. But if you're San Francisco, who do you look at first and say, that's going to be our biggest challenge? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm going to just say this off the top of my head. I hadn't done the research, but I'm guessing the Cowboys haven't had many, if any, tight ends not named Witten end up with 78 <laughs> catches in the season. I think it's only him and Schultz, I believe. I think it's Witten and right? Schultz, yeah. So, yeah. So and when the Cowboys have been about. the Cowboys have been blessed with amazing tight ends since the inception of the Dallas sure. Cowboys. That's saying a lot. That that's 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 tall. What what my dad used to say. That's tall cotton right there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. What were you saying well, there, Mick? You know what? The other thing I just noticed, and I haven't looked up their record uh, calling. Uh, but the referee crews for uh, this game uh, have been named. Ah, good point, And it looks Spags. like the Cowboys have Alex Kemp's mm-hmm. uh, crew uh, in this game. I'm glad uh, we're delving into this, uh, especially after last week, the last couple of weeks, Paz. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and actually Jerry brought it up. He didn't know the crew, but he thought the guys that did the game last week uh, did a really good job because he – they let them play. Yeah, because right? we didn't have any – they were ready to go home, Spags. Right. They didn't want to call anything, right? It's like, okay, this game's over with. Uh, but I just noticed Alex Kemp, he's eight years uh, in the league, uh, and I think he's uh, four, uh, four-time uh, head referee. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's got the Cowboys game. Uh, they've got uh, – it's, it's, a, it's, it's a somewhat young crew. There's only one guy other than Kemp. So Kemp's an eight-year veteran. Uh, one guy, Wolstead, uh, uh, um, he 
No, I'm sorry. Uh, Jim Mello, he's the uh, DG. What does DG stand for? Down Judge. Yeah, Down Judge. Down Judge. Okay, thank you. Wait, uh, you mean DJ, right? Yeah, like DG. He's been in the league yeah. 18 Dead grass. years. <laughs> Nobody else has been in more than six other than the head referee. So it's a relatively young crew right now. I, I could care less about what how young they are. I want to know what their propensity is, uh, Spags. Okay, I got you. How about this? They've had I one. Was call it up, and Kyle beat me to the. Point. I got you. Yeah. So they've had one game with the Dallas Cowboys this year. It was the first Washington football team game where they they were in Washington, and it was the twenty seven twenty. Go ahead. Go on, yeah, twenty-seven yeah. twenty game, and there was only seven penalties for sixty-five yards in that game against the Cowboys. Seven for sixty for Washington in so, Maryland. Uh, in Maryland, yes, in yeah, at yeah. FedEx Field. So it's yeah. about as even as you can potentially get. It's not one of these big games like the Raiders or the Chiefs or uh, the game against the Cardinals <laughs> where the, the Cowboys had their their uh, had their reserves about their referees. So right now you feel pretty good about the way that this this officiating crew is holding things up. Right? I just don't like when, when when officials become the 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 conversation. Part of the game. They they just shouldn't be part yeah. of the conversation. And and anytime you do that as a group, uh that that lead referee or whatever you call them spags, he needs to tone that down before it gets out of hand. You know, especially when you look at what it might be looking like at halftime. Uh, you know, what, what, what are we doing? Are we throwing too many? Let's take a look at and review, guys. Because you could see some of these things happening and you couldn't stop them. To me, as a referee, you're a head referee, then you need to, you need to handle that. and make, Look, guys, we, can't, we, are, we are becoming part of the script, and that's not fair to the fans or the players. Oh, I noticed all, also on the, on the crew, and I'm surprised this happened, uh, former Cowboy defensive back Nate Jones is the field judge. Wow! <laughs> wow! I didn't know that. I didn't. How many former players are, are referees? Uh, Spags? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I never he, thought about when that. he did it. I remember doing a story on him, and he was like one of maybe two that were in the league that had been former players. Uh, they've listed him, and this is what he had been doing before. Uh, he he kind of got into the officiating thing. He's a he's a firefighter EMT, mm-hmm. and he was doing that locally here. Okay, so wait, so he's from Dallas. Yeah, he lives there. He's he he's from the he went to Rutgers. Uh, Did he? And, and he played I for the Cowboys. He played he for played Cowboys. The Cowboys. And Did we treat him well? <laughs> yeah, right. Hopefully, Did we right? end on yeah, good terms? Right. <laughs> Hopefully, they take him well. Is it a good right. relationship? Because that's a big question yeah, well, here. Who who quit who? <laughs> I know Nate. He's a really good dude. Oh, that's Excellent. good. Excellent. Super good dude. Great to hear. Thanks, really nice As guy. a matter of fact, he went he, to New England. He's the one. He's the one that uh, knocked knocked Brett Favre out of that game that yep. year. Oh. Wow. And Aaron Rodgers started his career. That <laughs> wow. Whoa. Well, I, I guess exactly. thanks for that. I don't know. No. <laughs> All right. One one other thing on the referee crew before we take our first break. Home win percentage. That's something that you were you were curious about. With this crew this season, 31% of the time the home team is won, which is like 20 points below the season average. <laughs> oh, interesting. The season average is 51. <laughs> Should be. This is 31. But so. this is hard because this is an all-star crew, by the it's way. It's true. It's different completely. There, he has. He, there, there's only two guys that are on Kemp's crew. Right. That were on, on it all year, group, right? And it's the uh, replay official, and I don't know what the RA is. 
Replay assistant, I guess. Yeah, I think it's probably replay yeah. assistant. So those are the only two guys that were on his crew. The rest are from um, basically all other crews. Well, well Chris, that, that that means that the bums that were throwing flags on us, they didn't make the team. Oh no, yeah, no, no. <laughs> you get you get rated. You you're, there's a one rating, two rating, and a three uh, rating, yeah. and they grade you. So mm. I don't want to see the guys from the Raiders game and those nope. other games. Yeah, the, the Cardinals game. Yeah, we don't want to see. They've those thrown, guys. or at least his crew has thrown 25 more flags on home teams <laughs> than road teams in. Over the course of the season, overcompensating so, much, yeah, maybe right? so. But like Chris said, we can kind of throw a little bit of that out the window. It's gotcha. just the head official gotcha. that all these gotcha. stats are on. So great point from Chris Beam. Yes, all right, sir. when we come back, let's talk about what challenges do the San Francisco 49ers present, and how are the Cowboys looking at things? We'll also talk about some of the offensive and defensive coordinator news surrounding Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore when we return with more mix shots. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. Brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? Have you been treating it well? Has it been going places? If not, then it's about time you start using SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best way to get your butt tickets to live events. Just ask the thousands of other butts who have rated it the number one ticketing app. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now or visit SeatGeek.com to get tickets to sports, concerts, and live events and make your butt happy. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. How great would it be to travel to watch the Cowboys win on another team's turf? Pretty great. But honestly, just watching the game from anywhere but your house would be fun. Even a hotel bar with some guy named Phil from St. Louis who thinks Oakland still has a team. So whether you're traveling to the game or watching from your favorite vacation spot, book a place to stay on Hotels.com. Proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At AT AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Back, back to mixed shots. Cowboys Nation, it's playoff time. Get ready to white out AT&T Stadium and cheer on the Cowboys to victory this Sunday, January 16th, when they take on the San Francisco 49ers at 3.30 Central Time. For playoff updates, visit DallasCowboys.com slash 2021 playoffs. Welcome back to Mix Shots, everybody. Second segment here from the SWBC studios. Everson Walls, Mickey Spagnola. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Mickey, I'm wearing my white T-shirt. It's underneath my my <laughs> navy jacket. I got to take my jacket off. Everson's wearing his white. You're on the phone, so you can lie to me if you want to. But are you wearing your white out today? 
Uh, I am not wearing a whiteout. Mm. I've got kind of a grayish uh, white tint uh, with a cowboy star on it. And uh, it's a that quarter. Sounds, that sounds half committed. That sounds like you're half committed there. You yeah. know, I do respect the fact that he didn't lie there because he could have. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. sees him right now. They, well, it's his show, know. so he doesn't have to. That's true. Yeah. But he, hey, he was a, he was an honest man about it. Anyway. So I was forward. dressed for success until we couldn't get the video to work. <laughs> I'm sure you look phenomenal, Mick, as always. All right, Mickey, you mentioned it the other way around, how teams are looking at the Cowboys and they're saying, oh, my gosh, there's Micah Parsons, there's Demarcus Lawrence, there's Randy Gregory, and then there's this offense that's put up 50 points in two of the last three games. What are the Cowboys looking at with San Francisco on the other side of the line of scrimmage when they are game planning how to slow down this 49ers squad? Well, they're looking at Debo Samuel to start with, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I, I think it starts there. It's probably the second next guy and maybe the third next guy. Uh, <laughs> he was he was phenomenal coming out of South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw enough of him beating up on Missouri for three years or however many years he was there. They just couldn't stop him. And I wanted the Cowboys to be able to uh, get him. So this was before they got C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. And I think he went the second round maybe that year, and and it was like, ah, he's gone. Uh, but check this out. So he's their second leading rusher, 59 carries for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. And as a receiver, he leads with 77 catches, 1,405 yards, and six more touchdowns. So if you add that together, his yardage from the line of scrimmage, 1,770 yards and 14 touchdowns. They better know where he is every time they line up defensively because if you go back and watch the Rams game, he lines up wide at wide receiver. He lines up in the slot. He lines up at running back, and they will hand him the ball. They try to do everything they can to get the ball in his hands. And once he gets it, he is a load. He's a little bit thicker, maybe stronger, CeeDee Lamb, but the same type of player. Oh, he is way thicker and stronger than CeeDee Lamb. Yes, go ahead. But it's it's the same type of guy. Makes great catches. And once he gets in the in the open field, you're in trouble because he's going to break your ankle. And he's a strong, strong runner. You could tell he's got some running back in his background, Spags. But also, I think I heard this morning, uh, he's only second behind uh, Chase, if I'm not mistaken, with the Bengals in yards per mm-hmm. catch. I think he's up in the 17-point-something yard average. And so he's going to beat you short, and he's going to have the yak. And he can go deep on you as well. So, yeah, he's somebody that uh, if you can just eliminate him, then you're going to improve your chances of winning the game uh, exponentially. He's not only their most dangerous threat at wide receiver, he's not only now their most dangerous threat at running back, but he also threw a touchdown pass ah. in the final game of the regular season <laughs> as against the, the Los Angeles Rams. So he can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So, Mick, when, when you're talking about 
this guy, you have to know where he is at all times. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, they're going to run all this motion. They're going to run all this eyewash up in front to try and confuse the defense. And Debo Samuel, for the most part, him and Brandon Ayuk, another very shifty, speedy wide receiver Ayuk on the outside. Had a ball game last He's week. a baller. Yes, yes. Both of those guys are going to be tough matchups just based off of the speed that they have. And a lot of times they're already they're already running. They already have that momentum because yeah. of the motion and what they're able to do prior to the snap. Good point. And then, point. and then, not only that, but they want to run the football, mm-hmm. right? They 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 look at it that, uh, that we are going to run right at you, and they do it with a lot of two tight ends. But you know, the other thing they use. How about this? They use a fullback. Right? <laughs> Dirk, wow. Dirk, is that how how you inventive. It? Yes, it is, Mick. <laughs> you had it. And, and they will line him up in a true fullback. They'll line him up off the line of scrimmage uh, to either the left or the right behind the, the kind of offset the, from the offensive tackle. And, and he's a load. And, and they use him. Uh, you know, he's caught 30 passes. You know, he reminds me of. Uh, Everson, you remember Rathman, the fullback, the Niners? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I had to kind play that against that guy. Type of guy, right? He he will he will go through a brick wall for you. Blocking. That's when that's when fullbacks were the norm in an offense. Right? Yes, he was just another just another fullback out there who was hard headed and very determined. Maybe I should have said Daryl Johnston too. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could have. That's very true. But but when they run the ball and he's a load going into the the middle. And by the way, I don't, I don't mean know. To, As I think about it, Dale Johnson, I don't think he had 10 catches his entire career. <laughs> oh, no, I bet he did. <laughs> oh, he may have had 15. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you got I've Kyle got looking my, this up now. You go ahead, Spaz. I got Kyle. my crusty little book right here. In 1994, Daryl Johnson had 44 catches. Wow. Boy, yeah, Troy must have been under a lot of pressure that year. He had 50 in 93. That's when he missed all his blocks, and then Detroit had no no choice but to throw it to him. <laughs> 50 catches in 93. You want to know what's funny about that, though, Mickey, is the 50 catches, out of those 50 catches, there wasn't a single catch for a first down. <laughs> they were all <laughs> under 10 I yards. I told you he blew his blocking <laughs> assignment, and Troy's like, hey, your man is hanging Go. off of me. Take this thing. <laughs> He, he, had averaged, th- <laughs> he averaged seven point four yards a catch. Come on, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That's about it. That's funny. <laughs> what whatever happened to the fullback, man? I mean, bringing back. Uh, there's probably what two or three Cliff teams Kingsbury, out of Cliff Kingsbury. That's yeah, it's that was. college offense <laughs> right. that spread. Well, yeah, college happened to the fullback, yeah, and they got right. rid of them. That's you know, true. And they and they basically got rid of the tight end. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's four and five wide receivers out yeah. there. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't get, you can't get rid of that tight end, though. That tight end is a stubborn creature, and I'm glad of that because you right now the, the tight ends to me are the most impressive players on most professional football teams. I mean, they are the studs of the squad. You look at Andrews from from uh, uh, the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy right there. You look at the guy from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And not only do you have one, you've always got a backup that looks just like him. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's, I love it. They've got big studs. They're tight end. And I hope they never go away. Well, you know what? If we And I don't mean to swerve off to the side of the road, but the tight ends last night in that national championship game, they had a big hand in what went on. Yeah. 
And and I, I and when I was watching that, I was I was going to ask Everson. It's like so. How, how do teams normally cover the tight end? Because these days, those types of tight ends, they can't. The running backs can't. I mean, the linebackers can't run with them. Well, so I, you, I recall the, the matchup that we always had with tight ends was our strong safeties. And okay. So now you're talking the Tom Landry defense. Uh, even you're even doing it with uh, when I went to uh, the Giants uh, with Belichick. No, your strong safety is going to handle that tight end. But let's just be real. We always made the tight end have to work his way off the line of scrimmage. Nowadays, they just don't do that necessarily. Yeah. You know, I remember Dexter Klingscale, Charlie Waters. Uh, God, I remember some great strong safeties that we had. Uh, Myron Guyton, Kenneth Jackson in New York. These guys had to match up with not just tight ends. We had strong safeties then. Darren Woodson, who could match up with wide receivers and running backs as well. So I don't know what's going on with the strong safeties these days, but that's the way it was back then. Probably no one wants to be a strong safety. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to have that type of assignment to deal with. And that's where a guy, I guess, on the Cowboys side, I, I know we're, we do want to talk about that, that national championship game last night, but on the Cowboys side, that's where having a guy like Jaron Curse helps out because he's a bigger-bodied safety who has the coverage ability, has the physicality Man. to be able to cover guys and, like and that. And Watson as well. Uh, I'm sorry, Wilson as well. Yeah, uh, Both of those Donald. guys, very athletic. But when you talk about Jaron Curse, very special. I don't know what Minnesota was doing when they got rid of him, but you're looking at a guy, I mean, that's he's one of the best hybrid players that you can kind of put your finger on right now. He's like a Tyron Matthew type of guy. We don't use him necessarily like they would use Matthews. Sure. But he has that ability, and he has made an extreme impact on this team. I would imagine he's probably top five in tackles on this team by far. Oh, no, he's number one. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty impressive. That's, and that by the impressive. way, since you guys brought it up, uh, we we got a kind of an injury COVID update uh, yesterday after our show, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, you Always. know it sounds like everybody was coming back <laughs> off COVID by Wednesday, and uh, I think Jaron Curse might be the last one. Uh, I think Jerry and Mike said they are hoping to have him back by Thursday. Oh. Not only was he on COVID, but I think he had a a groin or a hamstring going on. I think it was a hamstring. Hamstring, yeah. Hamstring, yeah. And uh, so they're hoping to have him back by Thursday. Uh, but the other COVID guys, Anthony Brown, came off the COVID list. Uh, so they're they're hopeful that when they hit the practice field tomorrow, uh, that they'll be nearly at uh, full strength, with the exception of, of J. Ron Curse, who you guys are exactly right. And and you know, and he owes Dan Quinn whatever he makes next year. In free agency, <laughs> Dan Quinn found gets him a, a role he gets his that big. he could excel. <laughs> Dan Quinn's working as Curse's agent. He's got a percentage of the of the cut coming. He's the his godfather. Way. He's his godfather. <laughs> Somebody finally figured out how to use him, right? Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. That's, right. that's a good transition piece. Let's take our second break because when we come back, let's talk about Dan Quinn and some of the interview requests that have been flying his direction is that a big distraction to the cowboys or is it really not that big a deal at the moment we'll answer that when we come back with more mixed shots the medal of honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat more than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the civil war fewer than 4,000 have received the medal of honor the national medal of honor museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire america 
It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com cowboys. Back, 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 back. The Shots. Dak Prescott is our nominee for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award, presented by Nationwide, recognizing NFL players for outstanding community service, activities off the field, and excellence on the field. Helped Dak earn $25,000 in a donation to his Faith Fight Finish Foundation by voting on Twitter. Tweet hashtag WPMOY challenge followed by Prescott through January 17th. That is WPMOY, Walter Payton, Man of the Year challenge followed by Prescott through January 17th. Vote Dak. When is the announcement? Uh, Usually that's right around Super Bowl week, isn't it, Mick, when they announce Walter Payton, Man of the Year? They do it uh, that that Saturday before the Super Bowl when they have the big show. Oh, the big honor show. show. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of I was at that show, but I was kind of listless. I just <laughs> failed miserably <laughs> in making the Hall of Fame. So me and my oh. family went to the honors. They're telling us, "Hey, we gotta get ready. You know, you gotta go to the honors show." I'm like, "Man, you can't want to be around go. anymore." <laughs> yeah, my, we're a little pissed up here, oh. and we went to the show. Oh. And we, we all our lips were hanging in our laps. We were pissed off. Oh man. <laughs> Oh man! So that that list of the running backs with tight ends. Yeah, I mean touchdowns. I'm sorry. Uh, where was Dan Reeves? Oh, so we were talking in the break, and we were talking about most receiving touchdowns for a running back and a fullback, for those of you listening. And we were talking about how actually Daryl Johnston and Dan Reeves had the most. Dan Reeves had 17. Daryl Johnston had 14. Who did you ask about? Did you ask about Reeves just now? No, yeah. So so I looked because uh, I thought I remembered this uh, after looking at his stats uh, after he passed away last week. Mm-hmm. and. In his first three years, he had 15 touchdown receptions until he tore up his knee. Wow. So that's just in three years. Three years. 15. Yeah, Tom Landry always had certain players 
that he wanted to be in certain positions. He would draw up plays for players. I don't know if that was an ego thing for him to where it's like, well, I'm picking you because I think only you can do this when clearly everyone else could have done it. Could have probably done but, it. But, you know, player, coaches have their favorites, mm-hmm. and Tom Landry always had a certain type of player for a certain type of play in a certain situation, and that was pretty consistent throughout his entire coaching career. You know what that so sounds speak- a lot like? What's that? Dan Quinn on the defensive side of things with Michael Parsons and company. I think that's a great transition because that's what Dan Quinn has done all year long, right, Mick? Yeah, no. He has figured out roles for guys uh, that that, that he could fit them into what he's doing. Instead of saying, this is what I do, now let me see who can do that. No, he looked and saw what guys could do and said, okay, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And and that's what he did with J. Ron Kirst. That's what he did with Micah Parsons. Uh, that's what he did with Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah, and, and all the players kinda, that he brought over from the Falcons right. as well. Those guys, yeah. Neil, Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And by the way, speaking of fullbacks, when's the last time you saw a 360-pounder line up at fullback <laughs> like he did last night on the goal line? <laughs> oh, other than Connor McGovern, I guess Connor's not even 360. There's no, no way he's Connor's even pushing that. <laughs> The one guy last night on Georgia, they said he lost 40 pounds. They sure he did. He was still 360. And he ran a 4.6, a 4.840 or something. he lose 40 pounds? I'm like, man, I told my son, this guy runs faster than I ever ran at yeah. a 4.640. And he's 360. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Talking about the Georgia Bulldogs, oh, number 95. Kind of reminds me of Laquan McGowan. You remember that name at all? Probably not. He was the Baylor tight end during like the Art Briles runs wow. where he was 380 and he played tight end at 380. He wore number 80 and everything. Yes, I remember him. He had a touchdown to Cotton yes, Bowl against Michigan huge. State. He yes. was huge. <laughs> where is he now? Oh, no, I don't even yeah, know. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Hopefully he's okay. He was and a legend, though. And they put two of their guys on their goal line offense, one at fullback and one at tight end. And guess where the guy ran? Right between the two. Right in the middle of them. Yeah, that was a fun game. Georgia uh, coming was, out on top. Uh, real I told quickly, you, I told you, Spag. Sorry, Kyle. No, I, I got, got it right. We got it right. I did. No, I got it right. You guys were piggybacking, okay? <laughs> I no, said Bill, it first. Bill went with Alabama. Yeah, at first, yes. Mm, exactly so. All right, Mickey, real quickly, give us an update on what you've heard around the, the offensive and defensive coordinators, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, both of which I feel like every time I open up my phone, I get a notification that a team is – requesting to interview one of those two guys. What have you heard the latest? Well, I, I think the latest was Denver, right? Uh, uh, Miami and, just and, got on the phone. And Miami too. just did it, too? Mm-hmm. For both of them, right? Dan Quinn for Miami is all I see. Uh, I could see Dan Quinn a pretty good fit in Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think that... Uh, but again, so these guys want to interview him, right? But... If I'm Dan Quinn and I know what I went through as a head coach, uh, I'm going to be pretty picky on the situation I get myself into the right. second time. Around. Right. You know, and I think Mike McCarthy probably was the same way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm I'm going to get into a situation where uh, there's a good general manager, uh, the ownership is strong, uh, and, and it's a it's a good organization. I think those are the things that. You don't just go to go, right? You better pick someplace where you fit in awfully well. And, Kyle, we, we, I, I talked about this, I, I believe it was last week, when we mm-hmm. talked about uh, Sean Payton. 
when he had an interview mm-hmm. with the Raiders. And he just didn't feel comfortable in 2005 taking that job. I think he was a little iffy on the quarterback situation. And, you know, you had to be a certain person to go in there with Al Davis. Yeah, as, I was going to say, you got to when you talk to Al, that's a whole different feel. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he You feel like you're being down. threatened during the interview. <laughs> yeah, and he turned the job down, and everybody's like, oh, you can't turn Al Davis down. You're, you're committing, you know, <laughs> professional suicide. And then the next year, he took the Saints job, and mm-hmm. the rest is history. So I think for, if, if you're, you know, especially if you're getting the second chance, you just don't take anything. I think I'd be pretty particular on where I went and, and who I worked with. And I would darn sure make sure that either I have a quarterback or I've got a high draft choice to get one. Now, well, he was he was in a great place with Atlanta. You know, I mean, that sure. was an ideal situation for him, quarterback situation. He had a defense that he could work around just like he's doing with the Cowboys right now. Obviously, he went to the Super Bowl. We always we remember what happened there, but mm-hmm. that was a great situation for him there. I, he's obviously very cagey about the, the the choices that he makes, and he won't do anything foolish at all. It's, he's too old for that, number one. It's too accomplished. And it also, oh, yeah, and he, he had a great quote yesterday about, you know, I like what I'm doing here, and uh, I'm trying to remember how he put it. And he goes, I'm damn sure going to do this or that. It was it was, it was was pretty good response to uh, doing interviews because he sounds like he would prefer, you know, if he's going to do them or let, if he's going to let it out that he's doing them, uh, that he wants to do it at the end of the season, not in the middle of his playoff run. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And maybe Kellen Moore's not in that same scenario. Maybe he's not in the same position. Kellen may take these interviews. He'll, younger of course, he, guy. He already took the Jacksonville interview. And because he is the younger guy, has not been a head coach previously, he needs to look at every avenue that he could be in order to be that head coach. But how much of a distraction is, before we wrap things up, how much of a distraction could that be, Mickey, for a locker room like this? Because Dan Quinn is making a stand saying, I don't want to do this until after the play off run is over, whereas Kellen Moore has already taken an interview and is probably thinking about a couple of these other spots as well. Yeah, and I think as long as you're doing virtually, uh, you know, at some point at night, you're done working, right? Good point. And it's like, or, you know, the night before a game when everything's settled, uh, I don't think that affects uh, these guys. Oh, pretty, yeah. Just schedule it out. It's not a big, right? just schedule it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, talking, right? it's not like you're flying somewhere right. to go meet people. Yeah. And, and, and you also have to understand these teams are going to interview 10 people for the job, right? They're not going to just interview one or two and then make a decision. Uh, you know, sounds they're, like what they're, the Cowboys <laughs> did with Mike McCarthy, though. Well, no, it's like what they did when they hired, when they hired, uh, when they hired, uh, Wade Phillips, they must have interviewed 10 different guys. (laughs) There you go. And a lot of that, what Jerry was doing, was picking other people's mind about his situation, his roster. He wanted to see what they thought of what he had and maybe where they were going, right? Uh, And so, and remember, this was after Bill Parcells finally got him to two consecutive winning seasons uh, for the first time. Well, it would have been they, they they had winning seasons in oh five, oh six, they were both nine and seven, right? So you would have to go back to ninety five, ninety six for the last time they had consecutive winning seasons. 
because they had a losing season in 97. Really? They had a winning season in 98. They were 599. And then the three in a row, five and 11 seasons, a winning season, a losing season, yeah. then those two winning seasons. So, yeah. He I think I put that stuff on my mind, Spags. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to block that one out. Golly. Block it away. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you guys don't think it's that big of a deal because a lot of Cowboys fans are a little up in arms. And I think it's because they're they're safeguarding what they see as a great situation with Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator, Kellen Moore as the OC. I think at some point you got to look at it and say you're in a great spot to be in because they've been so successful because they're so let, sorry. Let them after. finish it out. They're going to finish it out. I think that's what Either the fans way. are worried about. They're going to finish the season. Yeah, they're not going like to like the like college. They're not going to go away because we got not going to pull a Lincoln Riley up. before the right, Alamo Bowl. No, that's yep. not happening. We're going to stay intact until this thing is done. Yeah, so that's good. You know, and I thought Jerry put it a good way. He said, he said, you know, when he he goes, you know, he said, rest assured. He goes, when you're successful, and he was talking about how the NFL is kind of built. He said, when you're successful, it works to the team that aren't successful, meaning they're going to come to the team that is successful and try to hire uh, somebody. And he goes, and then on the other hand, when you're unsuccessful, it works that the team's advantage to be able to take advantage of the teams that are successful. <laughs> and, you know, and that's kind of how the schedule goes, right? You know? <laughs> That's how it works out. <laughs> Got to take advantage whenever you have that window of opportunity. But that's it for us here on Mick Shots today. Mickey, are you back tomorrow? I may be back tomorrow and okay. appreciate you. Uh, yeah, are you back tomorrow? That's the point. Are you back tomorrow? <laughs> I, I don't think I'm back tomorrow. I haven't been told I'm back. I believe Bill will be here tomorrow. Okay, so that's okay. good. But yeah, for Everson Walls, for Mickey Spagnola, for Chris Beam, I'm Kyle Yeomans filling in for Bill Jones. We'll see you tomorrow on a new edition of Mick Shots. Go Cowboys and Kyle. <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!